Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. And so this morning I started to talk about this idea of a new rebellion. Um, uh, As many of you know, some of you would know at least, that um, I get to go to lots of churches uh, across the year. Some of you will be glad to know that I'm going to less churches next year. I've actually declined a whole bunch of things this year, 2019, um, to be home more. So I'm excited about that. But as I move around, um, there seems to be this growing, what I would call a growing mood for change. Like within the church. Just everyday people who go to church who are followers of Jesus. There's like a, a mood for change. There seems to be this hunger for more than this. Whatever the local church is and however it works, it's like there's a mood for change. There's a hunger for more than this. Maybe you recognize that even in yourself. And, and, and somewhere in a lot of people, somewhere between a, uh, I would say, between a curiosity and an urgency around what is next for Jesus' church. And, and I don't think it's driven by consumeristic Christian thinking. I, I don't think it's that. I think that there is a genuine hunger in people for something beyond the status quo and the way it is in the time that we live. And the good news is I, I, I've been thinking about this for a fair while. We've been, you know, it's part of the reason why the chapel's coming and all of that is in, in, in what we do outside of our own sphere. All of that flows kind of out of this idea that there, and it's not that it's just a people mood for change. It's not that I don't think it is just that people want more than this. I don't think it's just because people have a curiosity or an, or, or an urgency around what's next for Jesus Church. I actually think it's something being stirred and moved and done by God. And uh, for those of you who do know, great. For those of you who don't know, um, uh, you, some of you would know, I get to travel, like I said, lots and in this state and in our country and, and even overseas. And, and the thing is that the Aussie church is pretty well the global initiator and global leader of modern church. Like Australia has shaped the modern church around the world and that's why we get to go where we get to go and do what we get to do. And so... That has come for a generation. That's it's been like the mod. This is that our, our church is 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 completely a reflection of what God has done over the last thirty years to have the church modern like it is, and it's gone across the country and swept around the world, and and it's been really the thrust of the, Australia's growing churches. Well, I think just like something emerged thirty years ago and has been happening ever since. I think we live in that kind of day. I think as it relates to the church, that a decade from now, the church will look very different to the way it does here. This kind of church will exist and flourish. Traditional churches will exist and flourish. Everything that currently is on the landscape of church will exist as it has and will continue to. But I think what we'll definitely see is churches unique to their context and churches reshaping the landscape will emerge in the next decade across our country. Because I think the mood for change, the curiosity for what's next, this discontent with the way it is, is not something driven by us, but something stirred by God's Spirit. And I've called it the new rebellion. You can call it whatever you like. I don't really care. Your name won't be as good as mine. I'm only joking. Actually, if you come up with a better name, let me know so that I can use it. A new rebellion. It's the people refusing the status quo, disrupting the way it is, 
to pioneer what God is doing now and next. It's, it's a people, actually, are you genuinely up for that? Are you, like, think, are you genuinely up for that? The fact that you're here, many of you leaning in, some of you making decisions just at the start of this year, I know, I can tell already that you've just determined that you're going to be in church more often and that you're going for God in a way that maybe you didn't do previously. That's already on display by the, the, the fact of how often I've seen you or maybe not I've seen you, that you're here and all that kind of thing. There's already something good going on in your heart. You have within you for your life and your faith a mood for change. You want to disrupt the way it is. There's a disquiet with what's going on. So the people refusing the status quo, disrupting the way it is to pioneer what God is doing now and next. I want to talk to you on an individual level, not on a church level for the minutes that we have. Here's what I'm absolutely convinced of. I've written it down so I can't get it wrong. The generation of the living, and especially under 30, stand at a pivotal point for Jesus' church, I believe, in our country that will be determined in their days and by their lives. It'll be determined in their days and by their lives. You know, I go to countries where the church is almost at the brink of oblivion. And I've been to countries where the church is full-blown revival. And the reflection is, you know, God's there in the midst of both. But I'll tell you what's obvious is the, the, the state of those churches in various nations is a reflection on the generations that preceded them. And where the church stands in a decade from now, I think is an incredible opportunity that God has placed in our hands. The generation of the living, and especially those under 30, stand at a pivotal point for Jesus' church that will be determined in their days, in our days, and by our lives. Here are the three things I mentioned this morning. Number one was, I talked about the I-God phenomenon that's sweeping the Western world and infiltrating the local church. The I-God phenomenon is a simple thought. It's this idea that, uh, not that people are replacing with false gods, but the centre of their universe is actually them. And, it, you know, modern... modern um, what do they call them? Commentators would say that's a good thing. But truly, it's the oldest trick in the book. It was a problem before humanity breathed a breath. It was the issue in the garden. It's threaded its way through the ages and sent Jesus to the cross. And the Bible says it would and has exploded as the God of our age. The good news about the Bible warning us about it in 2 Timothy is that it tells us that God's always ahead of the game. Nothing ever takes him by surprise. That he's got this like he's had anything across history. And really all he's looking for is a people who will respond to the moving of the Spirit, who would bring their lives and surrender them to Jesus in such a wholehearted way that something would happen in our times and get done in our days. I surrender all. So the I God phenomenon, I mentioned this thought, this is really important. I just want to spend one minute on the two thoughts and then I'll bring you to the rest of the message. Business as usual won't get it done. Uh, I want you to think about this thought, right? Business as usual will not get it done. If it could, it would have. So when you think about our lives and when we think about Jesus' church, some, some places flourishing and business as usual will continue to get it done because of the right settings and the right activity and we're trusting God and all those kinds of things. But, but I want you to think about where it's not happening, where it's not getting done. And I, want, I, this is, I think it's a liberating thought. For me, it's a liberating thought is that business as usual won't get it done. So then, then I'm asking the question, what will? If I come to the place that what I've been doing till now in certain areas of my life or we as a church, if I come to the place where I can reconcile that that's not getting it done, it leads me to great questions that open up the possibilities of what could be. Does that make sense to you all? 
And then the third thought was, I surrender all. That's what sparks a new rebellion. An end of I amness and the beginning of I surrender all is what sparks a new rebellion. Here's a, here's a final thought before we move on. Sooner or later, you and I, somewhere else, somebody, this generation or the next, somewhere, someone in our nation will do what we're talking about. Someone at some point, a group of people, will disrupt the status quo, will not settle for the way it is, and will lead a new rebellion and shift the landscape in our nation. It will happen. It's just a question of who, where, and when. And how do I know that? Because all across history, that's what's happened. All across history, God just looks for the next generation who will actually respond to the work of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit, and, and actually reorientate their lives, prioritize different things, bring about a change, and lead something that would go on in their days. This generation or the next, here, there, or somewhere, God will do it. So I'm like, let's make it here. Let's seed something here. When they said in Acts that they turned the world upside down, they weren't thinking about a global revolution. They were just local rebels with cause in their heart and Jesus is their Lord and they turn the world upside down. Anything can happen from anywhere on the planet. God proved it when he did it from Galilee. He proved it again when he did it from Borkham Hills and Hillsong Church and changed the world. Something like 50 million people who are around the world will sing their songs this weekend out of a primary school in the western suburbs of Sydney. More than 50 million people this weekend will sing a Hillsong song around the world in major cities, Maybe in Washington, the capital, really, you know, God forbid, but, you know, the global power in Jerusalem this weekend, in that city that God loves, and down village tracks in the back blocks of India and Samaria and all sorts of places, they'll be singing songs that were born in a school in the western suburbs of Sydney. God's not done yet. God can lead a rebellion from anywhere. God can do what he wants to do. He just needs the people who are actually up for it. The spirit of the new rebellion. Let's talk about that tonight. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, a servant of God, God spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now that sounds kind of brutal, but condensed language. They've had a time of mourning. Get going. Cross the Jordan River, you and all the people. Cross to the country I'm giving to the people of Israel. I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on. I just want to pause there for a moment. Every square inch. Here's this vast and grand promise that God's giving to a people who were 400 years slaves. And it's so big, and yet he says every square inch. Every square inch. Don't you love that about God? Here's the grand thing, but I've got the inches covered as well. And, and you know, in your life and mine, just to sidetrack side for a moment, he's got the square inches and he's got the grand plans. And he's got it all covered. There's no pressure as we put God first around anything because the square inches are on his radar and the grand plans are already in motion. He's just looking for a people who would respond to it, the spirit of the new rebellion. So it goes on and it says, um, just as I promised Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon east to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the Hittite country and west to the great sea, it's all yours, all your life. No one will be able to hold out against you. I love that line. I, I keep that line in my heart. Uh, no one can hold out against you. 
In the same way I was with Moses, Moses, I'll be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Hope you can get that into your heart tonight. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength, courage. You're going to lead these people to inherit the land uh, that I promised to give their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let this book of the revelation be out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure that you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you? Strength, courage. Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step that you take. Um, a bunch of pioneering rebels that nobody saw coming um, that God was raising. They love that. 40 years in a wilderness, 400 years of slaves. No one saw these guys coming. No one was predicting the rise of Joshua and the nation of Israel. Only God saw them coming. Only God was raising them. And what they saw come to pass in their days was from the most improbable of bases and impossible of histories, wasn't it? Just in, in their days, in their lifetime. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on for you. But, but God can bring improbable situations to pass. Impossible histories can turn into extraordinary futures in his hands. And, and I, as we look at this here, something can happen uh, within your life. Something can happen within our church. Something can go on way beyond this place as God raises up a people whose hearts are after him. The spirit of the new rebellion. Here's the first thought. It's, 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 about a, it's a statement about one of the people that are represented here in this promise. His name's Caleb. Numbers 14, verses 30, 23 and 24 says this of him. Not one of them, speaking about the previous generation, right? The previous generation became known as comfortable grumblers who live with God in the mix, but not at the center. They were doing their thing, God on the fringe, but not at the center. And it says of them, not one of them will see the land I promised an oath to their ancestors. No one has treated me with contempt will ever, will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb, listen to this, has a different spirit. He has a different spirit. There's something about Caleb and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. First thought here is just the, the spirit of the new rebellion. It is a different spirit. To see something uh, beyond what is normal happen just takes a different kind of spirit. Not a special spirit, not a unique spirit. It's not something that only a few people have. It's a spirit that it's available to everybody, that everybody can live with. Um, and I think God would have us live it. So what kind of spirit is it? Well, it's a spirit that lives with a different set of priorities, isn't it? It's a spirit that lives um, kingdom-minded and Jesus-focused. Caleb and Joshua had that kind of spirit. They were stirred and stirring themselves before God in, this, in, in his spirit within them. And so let's talk about what might make up that spirit tonight. Here's the first thing. It says here in Joshua chapter 1, um, give you every square inch of land all your life. No one will be able to stand against you. I'll be with you. Now here, here we get an insight into the spirit. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Twice in this passage, three times before the end of the chapter, the Bible will say to Joshua that he will and they will need strength and courage. If they're going to pioneer a new day, if they're going to pioneer a new place and not, if they're going to disrupt the status quo and move beyond the way it is, it's going to take strength and courage. Um, and, and for you and I, at some point or many points, uh, the new rebellion in our own life and 
as part of Jesus' church, it's going to take strength and courage. And he gives us what the opposite of strength and courage will look like. And he says, discouragement and timidity. He says, hey, at some point, Joshua, as great as this promise is, and Joshua, you know, when you get a promise, it's like when you, you know, when you get um, like a new piece of gym equipment. Lockie and I have made a deal. This year, we're going to build a gym in our garage. We're going to take a whole year. We're going to save bit by bit. And our project together is to build a gym with a TV that we can watch NFL on and rugby league on while we work out. And it's going to take some um, time for it to happen. And whenever you start to do something, there, there are points where, uh, I was telling you for a different reason. I can't remember why I was telling you that story, which is not unusual, as you well know. Um, but, but there are times when discouragement's going, oh, we've got the promise, right? But at some point, I've got to put things together. And when I have to put things together, things don't go so well. If you're available and you'd like to put them together for us, we'd appreciate that. But if I have to put them together, I put together our runner, it still doesn't work properly. Uh, we'll get someone to fix it sooner or later. But, but discouragement can set in. Timidity can happen. I, I remember a bunch of years ago, went through a time when I, I thought I was really comfortable in my own skin, confident in the way I led, definitely felt called by God. And I went through a season where it um, seemed like went from everything working to nothing working. I went from everyone seemingly backing what we did to people, the, the closest people to me, asking questions and definitely doubting where I was leading and where I was heading. Uh, it finally led to me in what was a weird place for me to live, um, double-minded and full of doubt, making decisions where I shouldn't and being collaborative where I should have just made decisions. It was weird. I ended up here at this altar here, what we call an altar in church world. Ended up here before God going, God, you need to help me. This is crazy. And my strength was low and my courage was down and I was feeling timid and discouraged and, and, and you can't stay there. If you stay there, it'll kill you. And if I stay there, I definitely can't lead a rebellion, a new rebellion in my own life. And things are going to come where the tendency is just to creep back into our hole or to wherever it is we normally go when things turn south and to just get back into the normal routine. I mentioned this morning that, that you know, some people would have started out the year full of, full of courage and strength and 20 days in, they're already back into the old routine. Feeling a bit flat, what does that look like for them? You know, the, the plan to live strong and courageous has already retreated into the rhythm of last year and business as usual will not get it done. If I just end up doing what I did last year, what's really going to change? So we want to turn up and not business as usual. And at some point, it's going to need strength. and some point, it's going to need courage. There was a time many years ago now where I was out of answers around Bron and my marriage and, and, and it was because the house wasn't as clean as I wanted to. I know how embarrassing that statement is, right? And I just couldn't deal with the mess. And my wife was a working wife. My mum had been a non-working mum. Our house was always clean and pine clean fresh. And I couldn't deal. I thought, how am I going to do this? And, and sometimes you just got to dig deep for a long time and it takes strength and it takes courage and you've got to not allow yourself to be discouraged. And the Bible says that that, that needs genuine faith. It needs faith that's looking to God. That says, God, I'm like Joshua, he got into places where people's lives were lost. He had to go back and face their families. Imagine Joshua had gone, I'm just doing what my granddad, what my dad did. Enough of this. My dad, he lived comfortable. He did his thing. He's all right. 
Yeah, he's passed away, but you know, he had none of this in his life. And Joshua had to, before God, stir his courage and stir his strength and say, no more going that way, no more retreating into that place. Come what may, I'm going forward. I'm going to stir my spirit with strength. I'm going to fill my heart with courage. I'm going to cry out to God when it fails. And I'm going to have faith for the promise that he's put in my heart. You know, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to those things, God's made promises. Now, not everything works, but, but if, you know, if we're both putting God first, if we're both determined, sometimes it's just going to need strength for a while. Sometimes it is going to take courage for a season. It's not going to feel like the breakthrough is coming. It's not going to feel like it's all going to work. Bron and I just kept turning up every day and every day until something shifted. And I can honestly say, 18 years into married life, that it is better than it's ever been. But you know what else I know? Somewhere down the track, year 20, year 23, year 56, somewhere down the track, it will be hard. It'll need strength and it'll need courage or discouragement will kill me or timidity will sideline me. And in your life, as you stir your faith and live your way and hard things come that God's asking us to walk through and move through, we have to say no to timidity, no to discouragement. I'm going to stir courage. I'm going to stir strength. I'm going to come with an eye of faith that where it's at right now is not all there is. Imagine we just said that where it is right now is the way it's always going to be for the church. No, it takes faith and courage for us to gather here and say, no, the best days of the church aren't behind us, they are in front of us. That we're not a tipping point into oblivion, but we're a tipping point that God has ordained into a future that he's already, he's already scripted. We just need to turn up and go, what does the script say? And I'll follow that. But we don't even need to write the script. We just need to follow the script. And he can do something in our time. That really reshapes the church, reshapes the nation, reshapes your life. Strength and courage, and it will take the eye of faith. And then so this passage goes on, and it says this. You're going to lead these people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. Thank God for rain. Give it everything you have. Listen to this line. Listen, this is, this is how the pioneering rebels, this is how they take ground. This is how... The landscape changes. This is how it happens. Strength and courage, which said three times, and then it says, give it everything you have, heart and soul. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. I noticed these on the back of the Coleman car, Zachy Coleman. Everybody's premiums, insurance premiums in Tamworth are about to go up <laughs> because Zach Coleman has been let loose on the road. Soon to be followed by my daughter. I cannot believe I've got someone nearly old enough that the law says could drive a car. Who agrees that the age should go up this year and continue to go up until my daughter is 24? Then they can leave home if they like. But this is on the back of Zach's car because why? He's an L-plater. Now, you and I, if you've got a license, you know I'm betting that Zach Coleman, I've not asked him, but I'm betting when there needs to be milk and bread bought, the other night I had to go late to the shop to get toilet paper. My children will tell you that I had an animated response that I was not particularly happy about. Was I? But when Zach Coleman, I'm tipping, when Zach Coleman hears that they need to go to the shop to get bread and milk, I'll drive. I'll drive, Mum. Now, it's a window of time that doesn't last very long. But for a season, when he's got his L's and then when he's got his P's, there will be a time when... Zach Coleman and every L-plater and P-plater on the planet 
says, I will go to the shop. I would love to. Isn't that the truth? That's the difference between, see, Dan and Jules have hit legendary status. They're old. (laughs) They've been around a long time. They... Can you imagine that Jules ever says, we need some milk, and Dan says, I'll go. I would love to go. I would love to drive in from our house out of town into the service station and pick you up some milk tonight at 10. Right? It's not going to happen because they've hit legendary status. They've got a different L on the car. But for the learner, they're in. It's the difference between half-hearted and heart and soul. When this passage says that, That's the kind of thing it's telling us. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. It's not going to happen half-hearted. There is no new rebellion. There is no changing the way it is. There is no taking the land in Joshua's time. That doesn't happen if they live half-hearted like the previous generation. The story just rolls on, but we know what will happen. We know that in the next generation, God will stir again and God will move again and God will rally again. And sooner or later, here or there, somewhere, someone will respond and step up And God will set in motion the pioneering sort of change that he wants to bring in every place where his spirit is at work. Heart and soul, strength and courage. Let me bring this to a close for you. The spirit of the new rebellion. And then it says this, make sure you carry out, make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. It's talking about the ancient scriptures at this point. It's saying, don't get off track, either left or right so as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night. Make sure you practice everything written in it, then you'll get where you're going, and then you'll succeed full stop. Um, Two thoughts as I wrap this tonight. And, And it's just around strength and courage, heart and soul, deep conviction. I mentioned deep conviction last year, but I just wanted to rally our hearts to it at the start of this year. They're asking Joshua and those with him to have a deep conviction around the, around the value of the Word of God in their lives. And that if they will do that, if they will keep that at the center, not on the fringe, if they'll keep that at the center, that they will know success, that they will flourish, that God will open up the land every single mile and every square inch. Because that's who he is and that's what he does. You know, as we, we bring this to a wrap, I just want to encourage you, if there's going to be a new rebellion, if it's going to disrupt the status quo, if it's going to not settle for the way it is, if we are going to pioneer what God is doing now and next in your life and as his church, and I believe we can, I honestly believe we can. If that's going to happen in our times and through our lives, if that's going to happen at some point, it's going to need a, a really deep conviction around the scriptures. It's also going to need a very deep conviction around the thought that I just told you, around the new rebellion. It's going to need a deep conviction, a conviction that runs deep around this idea. Let me read it to you one more time. The new rebellion, this people refusing the status quo, disrupting the way it is to pioneer what God is doing now and what God is doing next. I wonder if that's in you. I'm sure that it's stirring in you. I know that it's already in lots of you. And and just here tonight going, are you prepared to take that conviction deep in you? That out of this place, that God could bring about a change that transforms the human soul for multitudes of people and that could actually change the temperature and the tone and the landscape, the spiritual landscape of a community and even way beyond it. That 
That doesn't get done with business as usual. But it does get done with the people who will live strength and courage, heart and soul, and deep conviction. So my questions are these that I want to leave you with to take home. Number one, what's business as usual that won't get it done for you? What is that? What is it? That's number one. Take that home this week. Bring us a prayer before God. Number two, I surrender all. That's what I talked about the cement this morning. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all. What's that look like? Where's that not fully happened yet? And we're all on our, um, you know, we're all growing. We're all learning. Where is that for you? I surrender all. And then my third thought is just around these ideas. Are you ready just to go? You know what? It, it is. It really is. It's not half-hearted for me. It's not three-quarters for me. It's heart and soul. And, and what I want to be really clear about, it's not about doing more. It's about, it might be about shifting some priorities, but it's not about more. It's not about exhausting people. This is not a pump-up church talk to get you on every team. It's not that. It's that something can go on in our days, in your life and in our days, that we haven't seen. Does anybody else like me and go, oh, there is in me a mood for change. In my own life and in the church, there's a mood for change. It can happen. I think it can happen out of here. I think God's up to something. This message, I didn't think of this message last week. I've been sitting on this message for two years. The one this morning, the one tonight, two years, going, God, I want to preach this with all my heart. But I just knew the timing wasn't right. So this year I thought, I think it's time. I think it's time we got serious about a new rebellion. I think it's time that that took place in people's lives and for us as a church moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me for a moment? You know, I don't think God places a message in your heart like these messages and that he's not up to something in your life. So my, my expectation is that even those of you who are living just sold out for Jesus, God is looking to work something fresh, something new, stir something. I don't know what it is, but I love when God just drops an idea or a thought or a, a change, a challenge, an encouragement into our spirit. And that's what I'd love to see happen for you in the coming days and the coming weeks. Some of those single thoughts that have become deep convictions in my own life have been the game changers. They have been defining. And so I want to pray a prayer for you as you head into a year where we're believing that there would be, you would be part of a groundswell of the new rebellion, that we would be way more even than, than who we are right now, This that we would be a community of faith, that we would be gospel activists, that we would be a people empowered by God's Spirit, standing on God's world, going into the worlds that we live and affecting change in people's hearts, souls and minds by the Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here. Thank you for the year that's in front of us. God, in, in this moment right now, I pray that you would spark in us what only you can do. Be a new rebellion going on. Oh, wherever we're up to, however long we've been at this, whether today's the first day or whether today's the 30th year, Father, there'd be something that you would spark in each person. We come and, Lord, say, I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender, I surrender all. We say that at the start of this year and God where, where it can't be business as usual Lord we pray that you would highlight that and illuminate that, that and then help us to make the change and to be ready to follow where you lead Father I pray for strength and courage there'd be people here tonight whose courage is failing and timidity is 
Lord, at the, at the door. And I just pray for strength, renewed, renewed courage and renewed strength. And Father, we pray to be a heart and soul people, that you would get something done in our days that nobody saw coming, but you were doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.